Hello, and welcome to The Dentrepreneur Show. I am Dr. D. Todd Russell, a dentist and entrepreneur with over 30 years of experience. On this show, we're going to discuss, engage, and prepare you for taking your practice or business to its end game. How do you grow it? What metrics do you track? How do you know when is the right time and what things you need to have in place to create the best long-term value for your business and wealth for yourself? You need to polish your spirit and prepare yourself no matter how far along you are in your career. Good afternoon. This is Dr. D. Todd Russell. Welcome to my show, Dentrepreneur. With me today, longtime friend, most wonderful guy, best dentist in dental school with me, Dr. David Rice. Rice, R-I, Russell, R-U. Y'all remember in dental school, we sat alphabetical. We sat next to each other day one and said, hey, you look like you could be a lot of fun. And uh, here we are uh, approaching several decades later, and we are still friends. David, you have been, you've done a lot in dentistry, clearly exceptional dentist. Your bio uh, is, is amazing. You, you, you launched this company. And I remember when you first did it, this little thing called it Ignite DDS. And eh, we're going to see where it goes and expose some kids uh, to some new things and, and whatever. And now here we are where it's a I don't even know. I don't even, can't even talk about revenue, but you've grown it to something where it's now all you do. You're founder and CEO. So welcome to the show, David. Thanks for doing this with me, bud. You bet. Great seeing you. Yeah. So fill in the audience a little bit. You know, I'm trying to cut it down as far as your bio and everything because there's so much. But, you know, give us a little background how Ignite DDS got started and, um, you know, how you leveraged that through to being with Ivoclar for as long as you have. And, you know, and all the products and all the continuing education and practice transitions. I mean, what you don't do in dentistry, I really don't. Is there anything? Have you not uncovered a stone yet? I don't know. I probably unturned some and then thrown them back. Who knows? But yeah, so I'll give you the super short story. Ignite DDS started off as a really small mentorship community out of Buffalo where, where you know, we were in school together. And I know, right? So here we are 10 years later, you know, our community is a, a little north of 51,000 young dentists, mainly from North America. We got some people from different parts of the world, but we're focused with North America. So we work with them on all the things necessary to win in life. So I know it's our goal is to give them all a self-determined future. Whatever their version of success is, that's really our goal. So we know that if they have systems control and financial control and clinical control, and then they sprout out and they, they learn some other lessons about people and process and production. And we've got like nine accelerators and like all these different day-to-day habits they need to have that they're going to win whatever model they want, you know, small boutique, you know, big size group, emerging group, somewhere in the middle. It's, you know, that's for them to figure out. And, and our job is really just to deliver a playbook and, and kind of guide them step by step. So it's a blast. I love it. You kind of give them a, a menu. Would you say you give them a menu, David, of things and, and then they can select, okay, here's here's the kind of practice I want. And then within those pages are more choices and you educate them on the choices and it hits you right here. Oh, that feels right. Is that kind of the kind of way you're helping um, young docs get themselves established and get growing? Very much so. You know, we approach it from a pathway to practice kind of view. And there's a lot of people in the air telling them what they have to do or what's not achievable today. Mm-hmm. You and I both know everything's achievable today. It's just, mm-hmm. I think the hardest job for young docs today is figuring out like, who do I want to be when I grow up? And, and our job is 
if this, then this. We just keep walking them down decision trees until they've made the best choice for themselves. And then we give them the playbook for it. And when they want to switch gears in life, like, you know, you did, I did, lots of people we know did, then we, we evolve, adjust and, and, and move forward. Right. Right. Interesting. I, I had a conversation today with a young lady who is contemplating going either to medical or dental school. Mm. And my opinion, it's my show. I can have my opinions. Uh, my opinion, dentistry is a much better path. Our medical colleagues, while needed, certainly. And, you know, it's, it's still a wonderful profession being an MD of any kind, right? Whatever the discipline. But I told her, I said, dentistry affords you the opportunity to be anything you want to be within it. I said, if you decide to become a mom someday, you don't have to own the practice. You can be a part-time associate the rest of your life. And I know some amazing dentists who've done just that. You can be the owner. You can be a partner. You can put as little or as much as you want into it. Whereas I've always felt if you were an MD, certainly you could do the same thing. You could be a part-time clinician, but you're tied to the rules of the institution. All right. MDs. I mean, there's very few solo practices. Now on our show, we talk about consolidation and roll-ups and, you know, evaluations and all that stuff, because that's happening in our industry too. But I, she asked me if I thought that would our profession lose its solo practitioner, single office identity? My feeling is no. What do you think about that? Totally agree. It's what's entertaining to me in dentistry is when you get all the gurus together, they disagree on almost everything. The one thing they seem to agree on is, you know, the DSO model Mm -hmm. is probably over the next five years going to get to about 35 to 37%. It'll probably go up beyond that. But the win is either boutique or scale. The loss is trying to be somebody in the middle that makes everybody happy. That's been true since the dawn of time in business, but it's more true today moving forward than it's ever been. So just don't get stuck in the middle and you're going to be fine. Right, right. Yeah, I just think dentistry has so much more flexibility. You You can certainly make you know, money, lots of money. Uh, the student loan to, I should say the student loan ceiling is about the same for an MD and a DDS. I mean, depending on where we can argue state schools versus private schools. You and I went, went to a state school. I can't even, I don't even remember what I was, my debt when I got out was pennies comparatively to these kids today. Some of them have yeah. more debt when they come out of school than I have for a mortgage on, you know, my home, which is crazy. David, my show is a lot about valuations and not to dive into just ugly numbers, but what I have seen in my career path now of buying and selling practices, evaluating them, is that so many of our colleagues are not ready to exit and they think about it too late. Oh, I want to retire next year. I'll find a a great broker who will sell my practice. Turns out that your practice is you know, its culture is wrong It's for whoever comes in. The equipment is outdated. You didn't have any foresight into what kind of patient population you were still attracting. And so all of a sudden now thinking that that's their retirement nest egg, when in actuality, it's kind of worthless and it's painful to walk into some of these practices. So my little mind started thinking, If I'm a business owner or a dentist, at what point in my life, in my career, am I thinking about exiting? I've come up with it. I um, said this before on my show. It's Dear 12-Year-Old Self. It's a take from 
the sports periodical. Sorry, I'm losing my mind uh, this evening, but it's um, the Players Tribune. And it's a reflection on at 12, what I could be telling myself now, when I look back, who's going to cross my path, who's going to help me do things, who is going to be bad for me. So mine is it's dear 35 year old self, because I think 35 is when you've got your Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours, you are an expert in the field. You might be a practice owner or partner. I'll be on the front end of all of that though. So by 35, And that's when I think it's the best time to look at how this ends and work our way back. That's my answer. Your experience, you've been in practice transitions, including your own. You exited much younger than 65. I mean, you're not day over 29, right? Both of us. Yeah, no way. So how about you? When I loaded all that up there, where where does your mind go with, um, with an exit thoughts? When am I starting to think about this? So I, I love the dear 35-year-old self. I would share, if you're listening right now, minimum 10 years. 10 years. Because there's so many things. It's to, to your point, so many people miss the window. Mm-hmm. You know, when are you peak performing as a business owner? And where will you go? And if you want to stay an owner longer, I love that because there's a ton of value in it. But what is your plan for the future? But I, for me... It's a solid 10 years because depending on how you want to transition and who you want to transition with, you may or may not find that perfect fit right away. You may need a runway to get your process in order, to get your tech in order, to get your team, your people in order, um, because all that stuff matters. Young folks today are who I hang around with and, and they look at this like buying a house. So they want to walk in a brand new house with brand new stuff. They don't want to walk in with shag carpet and nasty painted walls and everything else. Even if they're getting a good deal, that's too much work. So it gives you time to get your dental house in order. Right. The CapEx cost too. So you're, you're, you're thinking 10 years before you want to retire. Back up a little bit. Things don't work out. I'm 10 years before I'm 55 and I want to retire at 65. So now I'm thinking, how am I getting out of my practice? I'm going to bring in an associate. And he or she is with me for a year or two, and they don't work out. I still have time. Find the next one and the next one. Maybe it does take two or three to find the right one. The flip side of that is you get to 63 and you decide to bring in an associate. And at 65, the associate says, bye-bye. And they leave you. Now you're 65 with the practice and you haven't upgraded it. So yeah, I, you know, 10 years out, Sure. I mean, uh, 10 years before, I really think, though, you've got to look at what is my end game? Is my end game a number of practices? Is it like we were talking earlier about boutique? Is it a boutique and not being caught in the middle, you know, between growing and and you want to be this way? Who are you going to be? Who do you want to be? The other thing is when you're thinking at 35 and your target is 60 or 65, right? A 25 year career, you can adjust, you can change lanes. It's okay. I've always said, that you have to think about plan B. Always have a plan B, have a plan C, have a plan D. So that when you do get to that point where "Mm, that's not working, I can pivot. I can change lanes. I already thought about it. I'm ready for plan B because my my mind has already taken some time to go with it. Just like an associate who you bring in. When someone's looking to exit or go to market, what do you think they need to be so we're going to fast forward, right? So now we're, we're saying we're 35 or 45 yeah. or 55, whatever your number is. Okay. I've decided now I do want to get out. It's time for me to exit. I'm 10 years out. 
from my ideal timeline. I'm 55 years old. What do I need to know and do well in order to prep for my um, exit? So I would say, number one, you have to have systems control. So you have to have your process buttoned up. It's really also helpful to have your people buttoned up. But if you said you've got phenomenal process, you have strong standard operating procedures, you have strong clinical operating procedures, you have a firm grasp over your KPIs, you know exactly where you are, where you're trending, because no matter which direction or whom you sell to in today's world, you know, buyers are savvy. And especially if you're trying to scale, you really have to have your numbers in order. Mm -hmm. And numbers are important, folks. You know, all too often I hear, oh, here comes, you know, Todd's coming over and we're going to talk numbers and, you know, they're, he's being the corporate guy right now. No, even when I was a single solo practitioner, we had a right on wipe off board back in the staff room and we threw numbers up there because something needs to be measured. But in today's society, in today's um, mergers and acquisitions world, everybody is judging by similar things. So you have to make sure that you are in alignment with those things. And it's hard to, sometimes I, I've got one client, David, that I work with on a consulting basis, and he's not even using any type of accounting software. He goes to pay me with a, um, a carbon triplicate check and a ledger. And he's my age. And I was like, doc, what is that? It's like, yeah. That's how I keep track of everything. I go, so when you go to the accountant at the end of the year, or every quarter, you walk in with a big box, he goes, yep, we're going to change that because you want to sell in five years. You have hired me to help you put your pieces, parts together. We're going to start with financial reporting because I need that data to even tell you what your practice is worth. And I'm not going through that box, nor should anybody go through that box. So I do like, I do like uh, systems are huge, right? And that's kind of where you were going with that, right? It's, it's your clinical systems, your SOPs. I think your financial systems, you did mention KPIs, but I think docs need to know and understand how to read a profit and loss, understand what terms like balance sheet actually means. And they should be taught. And when you say KPIs, I know to some degree you're talking about this as well, but a percentage of revenue as it relates to certain categories. And that's where I was going with this. It's in our industry, we know it's cost of goods, which is your lab cost and your supply cost. It's your staffing costs. It's your rent cost. There's all these different things. And you should know where you need to be. Your accountant doesn't have to send the actual numbers or learn how to operate QuickBooks and do it yourself. You can actually run it and get the report instantaneously. It's really amazing. Anyhow, David, you've bought and sold your own practices. You know, you've been a part of group practices growing. I myself have been part of a growth with a, a private equity firm. What would you change about that process, the process of buying and selling practices? Who buys them? Who sells them? I mean, I'm not going to throw private equity on the bus, but I really want to, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. So objective truth from what I'm seeing today, private equity is a thing. The 10 times EBITDA is that everybody believes they're going to get isn't going to happen. So be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Also be aware of purchasing structure. Look, here's things that I, I would say, things to look out for. You're going to get two thirds of your money today. And a third of your money is going to get held back. And hey, doc, we'd love to help you turn that last third into a lot more money. So you should reinvest it in us 
Mm-hmm. No, you're not going to see those dollars. Or I should say only a few models out there are routinely right. seeing those models. Most are not. So I would be cognizant of where your money is in the best position. And if it's my money, it's in my hands with my guys who know how to manage it where I want it. So I, I want more control over my dollars if it's me personally involved, if it's you out there listening, like just understand the process. Mm-hmm. Now that two thirds, that may be more money that you're going to get if you moved in a different direction and you can say, I'm okay with that last mm-hmm. third being rolling the dice a little bit. Mm-hmm. That could be bonus, gravy, whipped cream, whatever you want to call it. But just understand how this game works and get great, you know, objective mentorship from Todd and, and guys on Todd's team because they've been through this before. They know the wins, the losses, and, and the risks. And you just need, as an investor, and, and that's what you're doing when you sell, really, you're taking probably your largest investment or maybe your second largest investment mm-hmm. yeah. and trying to, you know, leverage it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. leverage wisely. I think you need to surround yourself with great advisors. I've said this before mm-hmm. and future shows coming up, I'm going to have some of those that I would deem our great advisors on. Well, someone like yourself, David, certainly, but I'm talking about, let's talk about this, your accountant, you know, just because you know the accountant because he or she lives next door, they might be great and they might be the nicest people in the world, but if they haven't been there and done that in, in our industry, and like yeah. you touched on that 10 times valuation, you know, they can scoff at it all they want, or they can tell you that it's real. You need advisors who have been in the trenches in our space and done this before. And that costs money, by the way. And that's another thing. Many of our colleagues, they don't want to spend it. Oh, that guy's too expensive. Well, sometimes you got to pay for the best. Go get the best, especially when you get down towards the end, those 10 years before you're going to retire, start to get those books all lined up, ready to go, looking clean, hitting all the, all the, the benchmarks that you want to hit so that you are more saleable. And when the time comes, you'll know who the minnows and the sharks are, you know, and you'll be able to figure it, you'll feel much more comfortable. And when you, uh, what I see is we talk about these private equity held groups coming out and yeah, giving you two thirds and keeping a third and rolling it over and not a true partnership, but more like, you know, now we've got your shares and Oh, by the way, they're class D and we only sell the A's and the B's. And we've seen that happen uh, where all the doctors actually got screwed, but you need to surround yourself with these great people and surround yourself with the knowledge of where, of what everybody is looking for. That 10 times EBITDA, and, and I haven't done this yet, but I'm going to on another show, David. Um, I, have an, I have a beautiful graph that kind of, well, and I need to update it a little bit because interest rates are up currently, which is driving down the, the multiples right now. But it says, yeah. if your practice is doing a net profit, or net operating income EBITDA, it's, you should be, you'll be bought at a three and a half to five and a half times or whatever. It scales all the way down. And it's a nice little graph to show people because when you said they want that 10X, you're not getting 10x, not unless you've got 25 million in revenue or 50 million or 100 million. I don't even know what, it, what the scale is, I'm, but you know what I'm trying to say. Your practice is doing 1.2 million is not getting 10 times. I'm sorry, ever. Yeah. You know, we want to have the best valuation, you know, so we're talking about all this as we're leading up to our sale. And you said this earlier, David, and I know it, it can't be. It's something that's not listened to or heard of from our colleagues. Um, at least it hasn't been. 
I'm hoping this show, guys like you, more of this DSO kind of concept going around, people are going to pay attention. Sell your practice at the highest point. Many doctors, uh, it was five days and four days and three days. I'm going to sell my practice now. I used to do this. I want to get paid for that. That's not how it works. It's what have you done for me lately? Key to all that, getting to that highest point. And I know your answer, David. I think I do. What is it that's going to help me get to the highest valuation? What are the keys to running the best dental practice at that point in my career where it's going to be time to sell? Yeah. Globally, I always start with people. I move to process. And then from a production standpoint, it's a shift. So when I think about people, my move is from like, you hear a million people talk about culture. And that's mm-hmm. a nice word, but I'm going to say you need to level up your culture to character. Get a team of character. Because if your team has character, your practice has character, then this whole turnover thing that is crushing most practices will go away for you. That is a major check in the right direction. If you go to process, you stop doing what most dentists do, which is, let's be honest, like we wing it. It's up here. Like all stuff's up here. But if it's not best practices that are written, that every single person on your team understands, the phone's answered the same way, patients are walked through the same way, and the restorative side and the hygiene side, all that stuff is consistent. You can unplug me and plug in a new me and not miss a beat. And then when you have those two, like production starts shifting from two at a time to complete care. So you're going to have to be a better doc- diagnostician. You got to have to do better treatment planning. You're going to have to have better tech. And you start putting all these things together, those three, that trifecta. Then all of a sudden you're firing on all cylinders and you're in a really, really good place. Mm-hmm. Well, then kind of the word I was looking for and you, you didn't necessarily say it, but you said it systems. It's all oh, about systems, sure. right? It's when you talk about people, there is a system for hiring. There's a system for firing. There's a system for how they get paid. And that's your, you know, your employee manual, your HR manual. That is a system. There are plenty out there who've written those systems. You don't need to, you know, rewrite everything. You can, I call it plagiarism. Others call it modeling but you can plagiarize from somebody else. Or here's a great idea. There's great companies out there that already do it for you. They'll walk you through it. They've already got a template. Pay them a couple thousand dollars, get a nice one, get it so you can edit it, so you can change it. Same thing with your standard operating procedures. David, we did it in dental school, right? Yeah. You want to cut an MOD, right? You drop the burr in, follow, make your box, right? We all remove enamel rods. Remember that? (laughs) One at a time. One at a time with a, with a hand uh, chisel pick thing. <laughs> I couldn't even find one right now. I don't even know if they even sell them. <laughs> Remember that? Dr. Ferry, God rest his soul. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I know. Sorry, I digress. But anyhow, it's about systems and having your systems. Many of us, many of our colleagues, David, you know, we're on an island, right? It's I'm the doc the team comes in. They, they listen to me. I'm a solo practitioner. Like you said, if you have that system where when I walk away, someone else can just be plugged in. You have to have yeah. that mentality. Great doc, your system, you're, what you're doing is great. You're a great doc, but pick up on what we're saying about systems and leverage the people that you can surround yourself with to help you build the best system that fits you. And maybe you don't have to, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So all right, David, you've been doing a lot more in the young person's space, right? I'm yeah. really working the back end of our career. I'm talking to doctors that want to sell soon. You're on the front end of it. 
What is one thing you are telling these young folks about their career, about where they're headed soon? What are some of the big messages you deliver to them? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're arming them with this exact, this exact conversation, how to be very systems-driven people, how to find the right mentors, two percenters. You know, I'm a Brendan Burchard, raving <laughs> Brendan Burchard fan, so he's a top 2% fan. So they need to find the right accountants, the right attorneys, the right clinical mentors, the right business mentors, so they can peak perform mm-hmm. out of the gate. You know, I don't know about right. you, but I felt like my first few years, I think I probably floundered that way and this way. And then one day I woke up, I'm like, oh my God, it didn't need to be this hard. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to give them a great system to follow so they can build their own core team, whether they own it or not, you know, kind of the CEO of their life. Yeah. So they're, they're coming into practice transitions pretty prepared these days. That's awesome. That is fantastic. And I tell you, your what you've done, your hard work pulling all that together is uh, amazing. I certainly wish we had it. I I can tell you, I've lost plenty of dollars along the way. Some days I think I'm still losing them. Right? It'd be nice if I could have like saved maybe thirty percent of them that I lost. Right? How far ahead would you be? Um, oh God. Well, David, I always end my show and gracious for you to be on here with me. Give me about 30 minutes of your time. I know you're a busy guy. You do lecturing. You were just in what New York last week. It seems like you're running off someplace new every, every Monday. So I do appreciate you taking time. So I kind of, and, and you already touched on one person, but I like to hear about influencers who influenced you. I've talked on my show about sort of my heaven and hell, two doctors that I worked for. One guy was terrible to his patients, great to his staff, was a gifted doc. Another one was terrible to his staff and great to his patients, also a gifted doctor. And I tried to find that medium and be nice to everybody. Some days it works out. But in addition to that, books that you've read, songs, poems, what influences David Rice these days? Okay. Yep. So I mentioned Brenna Burchard. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. I would say in dentistry, early influences on me, a guy named Walter Haley, and uh, who's since passed, but super sharp guy, Steve Anderson, uh, crown counsel guy, really sharp. Clinician-wise, a lot of good ones out there. David Hornbrook was probably my greatest influence. He really helped us transform and read. Um, if I knew out there now, the two best reads, if you've not read them, are with by Chip and Dan Heath. It's all about change, which is really difficult for most of us in life. But it's a playbook on what every human needs to change. There's three elements to it. It's a great book called Influencers Out There. It's not about Instagram or TikTok. It's just about your ability to help change mindset of the people around you. So pick up one of those two or both of those two. I think you'll be stunned at what really truly drives sustainable change compared to maybe what you think, mm-hmm. um, I'd start there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, David, I can't thank you enough for being on the show today. I really appreciate everything that you've done for me. You're helping me get this thing launched. And I look forward to uh, having you back on the show. We're working on another topic. So we're starting with exit and when should you be exiting? Then we're going to dive kind of into the down into the deep into the weeds and the mud. We're going to talk about where those KPIs should be. And we're going to talk about and bring on people with systems in place. You know, uh, Ignite DDS University, great place to go. Uh, You've got Jonathan Miller doing his dental business mastermind classes that he's done with you. So my hope is that I can start to bring more and more people into my world 
to talk about here's your experts and go back to what you started the show on where you talked about your I, I, I assimilated to menus. You're showing these young docs. Okay, here's a boutique practice. And then here's this page of ideas and things you can do within it. I'm trying to do the same thing with the show, David. That is bring people, bring these experts. So maybe I, I've had a couple of brokers on already. So maybe you, you like the one guy and you didn't like the other guy. Okay, it's okay. Connect with that guy. He's going to help you. Same thing here. So as we build this, I'm going to have you back on. David, how can people reach you? Uh, a couple of easy ways. You can reach out by email. It's my name. It's david.rice at ignitedf.com. You can find me pretty much on any social media oh channel God. under IgniteDDF. So. <laughs> he like is an influencer. He is an influencer. Let's not let him lie. I mean, he's got a blue black check mark that might be allowed or not allowed anymore. You got to pay for it. But <laughs> oh, well, my friend, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time once again, and we'll be in touch. This is Dr. D. Todd Russell, Dentrepreneur LLC. Please Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and on YouTube. Please follow, subscribe, share my stuff. If you got any, um, you can reach me, D. Todd Russell, DDS at gmail.com. If you have questions, follow up, you want more connectivity to David, my other guests, you want to talk to me, or you have ideas for my show, I'm open to listening to uh, you out there who have small businesses. You know, obviously we're slated more towards dentistry, but mm, a lot of small businesses are just like us. So thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Please follow or subscribe to this show on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. If you would like further information or to meet with me one-on-one -on -one and discuss your practice, please feel free to contact me through my website, dentrepreneurllc.com. Many more exciting guests and topics are headed your way.